0: Hey, this is Billy Claudio. I'm the pastor of Oasis Community Church, and this is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today. I hope this inspires you. I hope it builds your faith, and I hope you find freedom today through the gospel. Enjoy the message. Welcome, welcome, welcome. See some faces I haven't seen in a while. People have been gone for the summer. People have been gone for a little bit longer than that. So glad that you're here with us at Oasis today. God is doing good things in the house. Can I get an amen? God is doing some great things. I'm excited about the things that the Lord is doing. And the neat thing is He invites us to participate. How, how many of you ever been on a winning team? Isn't it great when you get to be on a winning team and you realize that it's all those other people that make it a winning team and you get to be a part of it? I mean, it's great to go. God provides us an opportunity to be uh, engaged in something that has the power to change the world. And it starts with one life at a time. And I'm so privileged to be here at Oasis Community Church and seeing the work that God is doing. Because he is doing some amazing work. Today's a really important weekend for us here at Oasis Community Church. Um, It's small group Sunday. And it's an important thing. You know, Oasis Community Church, I love what we do on Sunday morning. But you know what? We're not a church about big gatherings. We're a church about... Small gatherings, life transformation doesn't happen here. You can get away with a lot in service, amen. You can even say amen to people you don't, things that you don't even believe in. You go, amen, I ain't doing that. (laughs) Right, it's easy. It's easy to hide and dive, and we need this. We need the environment. We need the atmosphere. We need the presence and power of God, and I don't minimize it, but life really is lived at a different level when we get engaged into small groups, and many people have almost an adverse, you say small groups, people go, like, like somehow, there's some kind of evil thing involved with small groups, and I want you to know that small groups aren't just a good thing, they're a God thing designed to help you become all that you're supposed to be. How many of you want to live as champions? And we learn as we follow God, as we surrender to God's path, that in that path is something dynamic that can happen for us, in us, and eventually begin to happen through us. And today as we talk about this topic, I believe for all of us, it's an inspiration for the Lord to activate us in a unique way. I'm reminded, you know, our, our motto of the scripture that created Oasis Community Church was Isaiah 43, 19. The scripture says this, See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? How do you know, if you don't see or understand something good that's going on around you, you might just miss it. You know, some people miss the love that's in their own home. They don't experience it, they're not seeing it, they're not perceiving it, and they, they get lax in their love. I want you to know that God is doing a new thing, and I believe that God is wanting to do a new thing in you. God is wanting to do something new for you. God is wanting to do, to do a brand new thing, something exciting, something energizing, something that is going to fill you and inspire you and encourage you. Could anybody use a little bit of that newness that God is offering? But he invites us at these times of perception, when he begins to reveal himself to us, we either can respond in choice and choose to follow after him or not. I remember Joshua was invited to go and and take the land that God was providing for him. And and everyone was kind of waffling. He said, you know what? I'm telling you, God is telling us to go. And I don't know what you're going to do. But today I am choosing to go where God is taking me. I'm going to go on the path that God has for me. And my prayer for you is that you are earnest enough and willing enough to go on the path that God has for you. And my job is to get you to perceive what God is doing, what is that new thing? What is God inviting you to that is what I call the next step? Now, you might be here today and maybe you don't know the Lord, you're discovering Christianity or just finding out, you know, if this is anything you're interested in, there's a next step for you. Obviously, you're at one of the first steps of finding God, is coming to church and getting in an environment where He is. But the next step for you maybe is, is opening your heart to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And there, there are some people that are here today, that would be your next step of opening your heart to, to what Jesus wants to do in your life that can change everything. And honestly, our Christian faith is always about not what God did or even sometimes what God is doing, but what is next? What is God leading to me to next? You know, I love the idea that God's never done with you. He's always on the, on the move doing something. How many of you are glad that that's... True for your spouse, that God's always ready to do something new. (laughs) It's always easier to recognize other people that need to change, not ourselves. God is in the next move for us. He's got a a next journey for us. God has a next step for you. And your next step might just be life changing. It might just radically influence you in such a way that as you take that step, the journey that you thought you were on, the life that you thought you were going to live, is going to get way better than you can imagine. I I believe that some of you are about to take a step into a new journey in your life that you're going to experience the benefit and blessing of honoring God in that step that will radically influence the the you that you are today to become the you that you maybe dreamt about becoming, the you that you desire to become, that God is going to begin to do a divine work in you. We're going to just jump to a scripture, and there's multiple things in the scripture that I could pass out. I'm only going to give you two things. Kind of first step, second step. In Ephesians chapter 1 verse 17, Paul has been traveling all over the place and he's been ministering to people. People have been coming to Christ, getting born again. And he goes to another place and basically starts a church. And he goes to another place and starts a church. And he's been starting churches all over Asia Minor and just doing dynamic things, right? Just people coming to Christ, churches getting started. And he would often write letters back to these churches that he started, encouraging them in some things that were important. In Ephesians chapter one, we pick up with one of his entry thoughts. In Ephesians one, is beginning of his letter in verse seventeen, he says, "I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, our glorious Father, and all that's." I'm praying for you that he may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. How many of you could use some wisdom and revelation? I want you to know today, I'm praying for you. I'm praying that God would give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation that you may know him better. How many of you would like to know God better? Right? This is kind of our journey, isn't it? To know God better. I, I want you to know the first stage in our spiritual journey is simply to know God. Right? To know Him. And maybe you're here today and you don't know Him. And it's not because you don't want to know Him. You just ha- either have a lack of knowledge or maybe your experience of God in the past has kept you away from Him. Maybe you're, you're angry about circumstances or situations or maybe there's bitterness. Maybe there's other reasons why you're far from God. I want you to know that today God simply wants you to get to know Him. And when you find out, when you get to know God, not for who you think he is, but for who he really is, your life will change. Because God is a loving God that cares so deeply about you that when you engage his love, you'll never ever be the same. Many times our own mindset of what we think God is, we think God's a judging God or a critical God or condemning God. I want you to know that Today, I want you to know that God is a saving God, and he wants to save you from the future that you have in store going your own way. He wants to save you to a better future that is bound in peace and joy and eternal life. And it's a gift that he offers to to each of us. So he wants us to know him. And the knowing doesn't stop, right? When we know God, that first step of salvation, we know God and we're born again. We, We experience salvation. The knowing continues on in our life journey. We move to the next step in this passage. So the first step is God wants you to know him better. It really is always the first connection, but it's a growing connection. It's moving forward. Verse 18, he says, I pray that the eyes of your heart. How many of you know your, eyes, your heart doesn't have eyes? What is he saying? I, 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 want, I want something to happen to where you actually can, can possess something. Because I want the eyes of your heart, that your eyes of your heart might be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glory and inheritance of his holy people. In other words, God wants to show you all the exceptionalism of what it means to be in Jesus, to be in Christ. He wants to show you, he wants you to have, if you remember, he wants you to perceive what he wants to to show you in life. He wants you to get excited and energized about his work in your life. He wants to bring enlightenment. You say, well, what does that word enlightenment? Enlightenment means simply this, that you get it. That's deep English right there. It's a deep concept. When you're enlightened, you get it. When someone asks you the question, you say, well, tell me about God. You, you, you get it. You got it. You, you don't have to go, uh, someone just asked me about God. What do I say? I don't know. But when you're enlightened, you get it. You get the simplicity of the kingdom. And again, the more you learn, the more you know, the deeper you can go in your conversation and your communication. But God wants you to be enlightened so that you get him, that you get the purpose of your life, that you get the mission of your life. He wants you to be enlightened to know what you're called to do. And it doesn't happen by osmosis. It requires something of you. All of us want to know him better. All of us want to walk in this measure of enlightenment. And, and for us, we find that the enlightenment happens, yes, when I preach on Sunday morning, I hope that you go, oh, that was good. But I want you to know, if you don't take what is good and then work on it, it becomes just another something that was good for a moment and for an hour, and you kind of forget about it, and you work to the next week, and, and you get another, that was good, and, and you hear, you like, oh, that's good. You think about it for a moment and then go on. And before long, you had a bunch of these things that you go, that was good and that was good and that was good. And, And someone will say, well, what did you do with any of it? You're like, you know, that was all so good. Not it changed my life. We realize that changing life doesn't happen in a grand scheme of the big church, as it were. Even though I want you to be inspired, we create the environment here on purpose so that you feel and sense the presence of God, so that you're inspired and encouraged. And you do hear words that resonate and maybe begin that process of enlightenment. But we know that those words won't take root like they need to if you don't get involved in the next step. Which is getting involved in church life the way that it began. Which, yeah, there were times when they got together in big groups, but guess what they did mostly? They got in small groups and talked about Jesus and how he was impacting their lives, and they did it together. That's why in the beginning of the church, it just sprang forth. Why? Because all of this healthiness was coming in because people were sharing and doing life together as God had designed it. And he is inviting us to allow ourselves to be enlightened. And I believe this. When we begin to get get together, uh, it's kind of our freedom message. You know, small groups are the place where we find freedom. Sometimes we have classes that are designed specifically for freedom things, whether you're dealing with mental health issues or maybe addiction issues or whatever things that you can say that well i know i need freedom in this area maybe it's you need freedom from from grief that you're going through and someone wants to help you find freedom you can see we're offering courses and classes but generally freedom in our lives comes from sharing our life together in small groups because we compel one another toward life change freedom is found when we can be honest about our troubles how many of you don't have any problems None of you? Because when I met you today, you were like, hey, Pastor. And I was like, hey, how are you? I'm good, you good. Praise the Lord, good, good. But the truth is, all of us here have what? Trouble. And we can't have the conversation today about your trouble. I can't have the conversation about my trouble unless I share the testimony of what I'm going through and you bond with me in my trouble. And and even in that, there's a journey we're going through together. I'm inviting you to say, let's grow together. But, But we can't really talk about it here. We can't really discover. We can't really process any of that within our lives. So freedom is found when we can be honest with our troubles. The second freedom is found when we live in transparency. When we say, well, you know, I got this trouble... But it's not my fault. It's somebody else's fault. That's mostly the truth, right? You don't cause many problems. A lot of other people do. (laughs) Except when we begin to open up and begin transparent, all of a sudden some of our troubles, the things we couldn't see about ourselves, we call them blind spots. Because we're willing to share our trouble and then be transparent about how we find ourselves in this trouble. All of a sudden, it opens up a portal of our soul to those that are sharing life with us. Not because they're there to, to judge, contempt, or to point point, say, I know better than you. But together, we discover this path that Jesus has told us about freedom. Which ultimately is this, is that freedom is found when we allow transformation Right, we, we we tell our troubles, we become trans, uh, transparent. Then all of a sudden, we start this journey toward life change, where we begin to see our life in a different fashion. You know the testimony that Brian shared this morning was a powerful testimony of how someone got engaged in small group. They were afraid at first. They engaged. They didn't think, well, what hope can be had, or what I don't really need this, or whatever. But in that place of small group, is where life transformation began began to happen. And the power of that transformation just wasn't internal, it became an external picture that everybody else got to celebrate and and share grace and and blessing and to go, wow, look what God is doing in this person's life. So here's a great scripture that I think many people struggle in in a little bit this way. It says, Therefore, James 5:16, therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Now, I'm going to go ahead and confess first, and then Brandon, you're going to go next, and then you're going to go, Macy, and then we're going to go ahead and confess our sins today. Is that okay with everybody? <laughs> All right, we're not going to do that. I don't want to go first. <laughs> this is a, an important truth. We confess our sins to God to be forgiven. We confess our sins to one another to be healed. Right? We confess to God, you're, we confess to, God to be forgiven, but if we want to be healed, if we want to find freedom, we've we got to invite somebody else into the story. And you say, why? Because that's the way God set it up. He, he wants to help you. He, he's got a plan to help you. It, it was His plan to get you well. It was His plan to make you better. It was His plan for you to experience the best that He has to offer. And He says, come to me. I'm going to give you a light burden, and I'm going to get you connected with other people that are in trouble like you. And together you will tell a story of the grace and glory of God that the world will watch and see. And in your healing, in that manifested reality, someone that's going to look at you and see you aren't the same. You can say, I'm not the same. God has changed me. God has done something great in my life. And we can say, thank God for what he's doing. He's forgiven me of my sins. And thank God he's connected me to people that have helped me find the freedom that God offers. It's found in that beauty of a small group. Freedom and transformation, I believe, are discovered in small groups. Here at Oasis, we call them Oasis groups. This is the place where we become known, and we know others. This is the place where we get to, you know... Did anybody here grew up in a church that was kind of fake Christianity when you got there and you left, right? Everybody smiled. No one had problems. No one had troubles. You couldn't share them because they were like, everybody wanted us to just be okay, like, I grew up kind of in that environment where everybody was just fine. And if you weren't fine, you confessed that you were fine. It was just like, whatever. Right? And the truth is, is that none of us are made well by holding back where we're going, what we're dealing with in our life. We need each other to experience the best that God has to offer. God accepts us just the way that we are. He accepts you right where you are in the processes of where you are. But in small groups is where we get to be known exactly for who you are. And this is the beauty of it. This is why I love the kingdom of God. God loves you just the way that you are, like He does. He loves you just the way that you are. And you're like, really? Totally? on all your messed upness, all your sin, all the things you've done in your life, God loves you deeply just the way that you are. He accepts you just the way that you are. The good news is He won't let you stay that way. And the method of what God gives to us is the same method that God compels us to. Listen, at Oasis Community Church, our heart is to to accept each other just the way that we are, not the way we hope we are, but the way that we are so that we can be transparent and share our lives with truthfulness and not come with the fake smile and everything's fine and never share our problems but only say, I'm working on my own, and I'm going to say, how's that working out for you? But to say, no, we're going to trans- be known and be known. Uh, I'm going to know you, you're going to know me, so that we can be loved like we are. You know why I am so happy with the love relationship that my wife has with me? Because she loves me just like I am. All my scars and warts, all my weaknesses and frailties, Claudio loves Billy Claudio just like I am. Does she have a better hope for my life? Oh boy, does she. (laughs) Jesus, help me. She (laughs) loves. Don't make me cast the devil out of you in front of everybody. She loves me just the way that I am in all my brokenness. And again, I I strive to be a better man. I strive to do the best that I can. But she's chosen to love me just like I am and my transparency in her life because she loves me that way. When I find myself weak or frail, I can say, babe, help me out here. And she says, all right, I I love you. I'm going to help you in this process, not judge you in the process. And this is what small group environment is. It isn't a place to be judged. You don't confess your sins. So everybody goes, oh. It's a place that we go, I've been dealing with that same doggone thing. Thanks for sharing. Because together we can find the wisdom and will of God and find the path to freedom that he has for us. It's a beautiful design that God has provided. We see some of the functionality of it in in, in a marital relationship or family relationship. But listen, we are in the family of God. We've been invited to this beautiful picture of the family of God. And the Lord reminds us, he says, he wants us to compel in this family, to compel one another to good works. In Hebrews chapter 10, he says, let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. I want you to learn how to do that together. Not giving up, notice what it says, uh, Hebrews 10, 24. Do you have that in there? Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Go to 25, and notice this. Is it there? All right, here we go. Not giving up, meeting together. You know, some of you say, well, I haven't given it up. I just never started. (laughs) So is that a a sin because I have never started? He says, no, I, I want you to meet together. Why? Because as some of you are in the habit of doing, not getting together, by encouraging one another. Listen, when we go into Scripture and we study the one another Scriptures, there are lots of scriptures that talk about love one another, respect one another, care for one another. There's a list of one another's. Do you realize that the only place that you really get to live that out is in a small group? I mean, we can kind of do it here a little bit. You know, I love you, love you, girl. Kind of good to see you. Love you, bro. Yeah, I don't have time for your problems today. Go tell someone else. Yeah, <laughs> like we really can't do the one another's until we're in a small group where we really share the one another things, where we can live that mantra like Jesus, giving and caring and sharing our lives with one another, but it's found in this group gathering of small groups. And he says, listen, some of you have gotten to the habit of not getting together, and I want to break that habit from your life. This is the way the kingdom of God is built, made healthy, and made effective. We all need that in our lives, a safe place to process, and this is what I love, the what's next, because God is always in the what's next. Yeah, this is where you are, but, but I'm doing something. There's a, I'm doing something. Remember the first scripture? I'm doing something new. There's something next that I'm doing in your life, and you might find yourself comfortable in what was, but God is saying, great, it's now a what next time, because I am forming and framing something good in you, which is why we need each other. Here's a great scripture that doesn't make sense in any other context, Galatians 6.1. Again, Paul writing to the you know, people in Galatia saying, you guys, and he wrote, he started this letter like, what is wrong with you guys? <laughs> You're kind of messed up here. You're going back to living like a different kind of life than what I told you. I want you to live by the Spirit, not by the flesh. And verse 6, he says this, chapter six one, Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in sin, how many of you like this, that statement, caught in sin? You know why we don't like that? Because none of us want to be in sin. We don't like that thought. So you're going, what what, what are you supposed to do as Christians? Woo-hoo-hoo! Gotcha! I gotcha! Right? That's not the context here. It's not for us going trying to discover somebody's sin. It's really kind of an exposure, because listen to what he says. He says, "Uh, brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit, Should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves, or you also may be tempted. Notice what he says in verse 2 Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. Listen, when life shows itself on us, when we open up our lives and we become transparent, are we caught? Yeah, in a sense, because we want to be caught. We don't want to keep living in a broken life, in a destroyed life, in a messed up life that causes destruction. We want the best that God has to offer. And when we begin to find ourselves in an environment where we're safe and we can communicate what we're going through for real, the real deal of what we're struggling with, that someone can say, yeah, you know, because sometimes we go, and I told my, I was talking to a, a, a new friend this morning. He says, you know, last week you talked about loving your neighbor and I had just gotten in a fight with my neighbor. <laughs> And he won, by the way. He said he won. I just want, just, just in case you thought he didn't win. He was, he. Sometimes we're going through life and we're like, and you know what, I did this, and, and I did, and you know, maybe a m- mature believer would go, uh, Can I tell you something? That's not good. Like, I just caught you saying something that you're kind of proud of, and that's not how God wants us to live. He wants us to live a different way. As a matter of fact, this is the path that God has us to live. And and you're embracing a lie that's actually destroying you as a human and not letting you live the life that God has for you. But check this out. When, When you live this way and we share a story or a testimony or maybe it's us, we all of a sudden can see a new picture of seeing, perceiving what God is saying. Being enlightened in how we are called to live in a whole new realm of living because we're living practically with the people that we're with it's beautiful because it transforms us our trouble begins to go by the wayside in the areas that we find ourselves struggling and we begin to find new life in Christ he says carry each other's burdens and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ what is the law of Christ remember jesus said a new command i give you do you remember what the law of christ was it is to what love god Love your neighbor and love yourself, right? I'm going to tell you how this works. I want you to learn how to walk in love. And in this measure, there is nothing like it. We're compelled in this to love one another. Romans 15 says, accept one another just as Christ accepted you. He accepted us. We love that, that he's accepted us. And he calls us to to accept one another and grow in life together. I wrote this down as a, as a highlight note. The transformation you need will not happen in big church. It will happen in small groups. I'm inviting you today. Not to do something nice. I'm inviting you to let's follow the principles of the scripture. If we want to become a dynamic, healthy church, we got to get connected in ways that transform us. Talk is cheap. We can testify who we are, but if we don't live it out in a meaningful way, we continue to be the same. And when we're the same, we don't allow the world to see the effect that the kingdom has on our lives. The next step for all of us. And listen, anyone who's been a part of this worship service today, I'm glad you're here involved in this experience, but I want you to take the next step. I'm giving every one of you a next step and you might be involved with small groups and by the way our small group sessions I think we do 12 week sessions of small groups it's not a long term commitment it's a short term commitment so if you get into a group and just by the way if you get into a group and it doesn't work we don't mind you getting out and finding another group that it works with we're not, we're not running a regiment here saying well don't get if you, we want you connected to a group of people that you can grow and mature with but we're starting a brand new 12 week session where we're going to be just growing together and learning together and being inspired together and I would love everyone, everyone, to make a commitment before the Lord to say, I want to grow to a different level. I, my next step is i got to get involved in small groups. i got to get involved in a place where I can open my life up to those that are around me. And the truth is this. I heard Andy Stanley make this statement. And I've said it enough. It's almost mine. I'm only going to give him one more credit, then I'll take the credit from now on. Life is not lived in rows, but circles. Right? This is fine. I'm glad that I can be here inspiring and encouraging you, but this is not how we do life. We do life in circles, eye to eye, together. That's what our small groups are. They're that, that environment of circles where we, we share our life with each other. We, we get real. We do the right things in that mindset. We, we begin to share our lives in a meaningful way that, that brings strength and health to us. Why? Because we're members of the family of God. And this is the way that God designed it. Ephesians 2 in the, the Living Bible says this. You are members of God's very own family and you belong in God's household. I want you to know that we're the ecclesia, right? It's not a building. This church is not the building, right? We are the building. We're the household of God. And when we do life the way God says, anytime we get together, we are sharing in the household of God. We're family to family, connecting. And this is the way that God designed it from the very beginning. If you remember when he made Adam, he was on his own. He said, man, this ain't good. It's not good that man is, and it's still true. We're not meant to do life alone. We're meant to do life together. Paul writes in Romans. You say, you're using a lot of Paul. Well, he had a good mindset of how this was supposed to work because he started a lot of churches and said, this is how it should work. These churches, I'm leaving, but you guys got to get these things in play. Romans 12:5 he says, "So in Christ, though many, we form one body, and each member belongs to all the others." That's a 12, Romans 12:5. 12, Hopefully it's in there. If it's not, I'll, I'll read it again. So in Christ, we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We belong to each other. That means what's yours? At my house, it's like, my wife's got it all together. It's like, she says to me, what, what, what's, what's yours is mine, and what's mine is mine. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and the kingdom says, listen, we share life together. What I have of the wisdom of God, the the insight of God, the enlightenment of God is to be shared. And what you have and you go, well, I don't know much. I bet you there's something that you got that I don't, that I need. You can be a part of the story of transformation, and, and I've known the Lord for a long time, but I, I'm always amazed at how I get into a small group environment, and just to be honest with you, my wife and I have done small groups for years and years and years and years, and we still do small groups. I'm still a part of a small group. I'm not preaching. I'm not telling you something that I'm not a part of in, in my own personal way. It's a crucial part of my spiritual life journey. Some of the greatest transformations that have ever happened with me have not been me sitting in the service and God speaking to me. It's been me in a, in, in a small group, and other people inspire me and encourage me. Hey, Bill, you can get it right time and me going i need your help and them going we're going to help you and vice versa because that's the way it was designed he says this in verse 9 of the same chapter love must be sincere this is our small group environment hate what is evil cling to what is good be devoted to one another in love honor one another above yourselves Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. How many of you could use some help in your fervor? You're serving the Lord. We get that in small groups. We're reminded of that in small groups. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. And notice what it says, practice hospitality. Where is that done? at home it's done when people are in our environments it's done real hospitality to say i'm going to make this place comfortable for you because you're coming and we want god to be here i'm going to be hospitable it's this invitation that we have from god you know in the very beginning of the church Peter, who had denied the Lord, the Holy Spirit fell upon him. He became engaged and preached his first big sermon. And man, when he preached his first sermon that day, after the day of Pentecost, he comes out filled with the Spirit. He preaches his first sermon, and 3,000 people commit their lives to follow Jesus. Wow. I can only imagine how he felt. All these people coming to know Jesus. In this place, people are just coming to Jesus. People are getting saved. They're like, I want to follow Jesus. You you preach this message of repentance. You preach this message of life change, of the way. They began to flock to Jesus. And at the end of chapter 2, we see a picture of how they began to engage one another, to express what Jesus meant to them, and for the outside world to see. In verse 41, it says, Those who accepted this message... We're baptized, we're going to be, matter of fact, we're going to be doing baptisms in just a minute. Those that got born again, they got baptized. About 3,000 were added to their number that day. Verse 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, which is to the word of God, right? They said, we want to understand more about God. We need to learn. We need enlightenment. To fellowship. How many of you like fellowship? We love it here at Oasis Community Church. We're throwing parties all the time. How many of you came to my house for a party this summer? Raise your hand. All of, come on, give me a woo. woo. Yeah. We threw a party at my house this summer. A bunch of people came to my house because we're like summertime, knowing everybody's gone, doing everything. So we're not doing small groups. I'm going to throw a party. We're going to have some fellowship. We, we believe in fellowship. But fellowship without the word is going to make a fellow fall off the ship quicker than you can imagine. We need the word as the centerpiece of what we're doing. So we need the teaching, right? We need the fellowship um, as a part of their journey as well. He goes on to say, every, uh, to the fellowship and the breaking of bread and to prayer. We see this, and it's not just communion there. It's eating together and sharing our life together. Everyone was filled with awe at the money, wonders, and signs performed by the apostles. And all the believers were together. And had everything in common. In other words, man, they were taking care of one another. They sold property and possessions to give to one another who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. Basically, we did a big gathering. We're going we're to go to the temple. We're going to celebrate together. We're going to call this here kind of temple worship, right? And It's the place where we show up together and celebrate God. This is the, the temple of God that we celebrate. We sing. We worship together. We're doing it as a big group, and that's a part of the story that God tells Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts and they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. We're going we're gonna to do it together big and we're going to do it together small and when we do it small, we're going to eat something. Can I get an amen from anybody? Amen. We had my small group this last Tuesday. Mmm, It was good fellowship because there was good food there. That helped. But we break bread together. We, we do life together. We just don't come and say, we're going to do a Bible study. Everybody get your Bible. Blah, 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 blah. And there's nothing wrong with the Word of God. Don't, I'm not minimizing it. We're doing life. We're actually doing life. We're not just trying to, to teach and preach something. We want to do life together. We want it to be confrontational. We want it conversational. That might be confrontational. <laughs> first conversational. it might be that that uh, we're caught somewhere in our life and we we're glad to be caught because we want someone to go you know that might not be good what who yeah you know God gives us a different way to go and it's better we we get better and people get better and God's glorified because it's better and we grow and live together in a beautiful way they broke bread in their homes, ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Verse 47, Praising God and enjoying the favor of all people, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Small groups is about being influential because it changed me as it changed us, and it changed us as it changed world. You know, I said this in the past. Um, the church is the hope for the world, but the truth is, A mobilized church is the hope for the world. A healthy church is the hope for the world. A broken church isn't that much health, but when we're well, when we're doing good, when we're doing what is right, as the worship team comes to get ready to celebrate with us, when we do what is right, it's amazing how God does what is right in us, and God begins to do what is right through us. This is what we're called to be, because this is true. An unhealthy church, I mean a healthy church will reach an unhealthy world. And small groups about helping us become as healthy as we can. So, let me, as we move to close, the first is this, next step. Maybe you're here and you're far from God, you don't know Him. Or you're, you're wondering about Him. I want you to know that your next step is opening your heart to His love and Lordship. He loves you. He cares about you. He's got a plan for your life. He wants you to be saved, to know what salvation means. It means you're forgiven of your sins. You haven't eternity promise with god the father and and new life comes to you you begin to see life in a totally different perspective driven by the grace and love of god maybe you're here today and you need to accept your the saving grace of jesus christ as the kids get settled kids just stop for a second i want all the kids just to stop for just one second they're in here for a great celebration we're about to do some baptisms in two seconds but this is really important if you're here and you say billy i want to know god i want to know god better It begins by you opening your heart to his love and his lordship through Jesus Christ, his son, that died for you because he loves you. He died for your life, and what he asks in return is that you give your life back to say, God, I give you my life. I want to serve you, and I surrender my will to you to be saved. I'm going to, the term repent means I'm not going to, I'm going to turn from doing life my own way, and I'm going to embrace your way. I want a new way your way that I want to go maybe you're here today and you need to do that you need to give your life to Jesus your first step is being born again being made new on the inside if you need to do that we're going to pray a prayer it's a prayer of salvation or surrender that says God I give you my life I want to serve you I want to I want to live with you I want to be your child would you bow your heads for a moment We're going to pray this prayer. If you're going to pray that prayer with me this morning, maybe for the first time, or you're recommitting to the Lord, if that's you, would you raise your hand? Anybody in this place says, I'm going to do that today. I'm committing my life to Jesus. I'm going to pray a prayer of salvation and surrender to Jesus. I'm looking around. Anybody, just raise your hand real quick. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else that says, yeah, I'm I'm going to pray that prayer with my heart and commit my life to Jesus Christ. Thank you. All right, we're going to pray. We're going to do it together. We're opening our heart to Jesus' love, his forgiveness, his grace, and his mercy. And we're going to have a heart change. He will embrace us as his child. And we'll be forgiven and have the free gift of eternal life. Pray this with me. Say, God, thank you for loving me. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to die for my sins so that I could be forgiven. And today I choose your path. I'm not going to do life on my own anymore. I'm going to receive you as my leader and guide. Fill me with your Holy Spirit and lead me in the path of truth. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks so much for listening to our podcast. I really hope God moved in your heart today. And if you're in the Scottsdale area, I'd love for you to come and visit our campus on one of our Sunday services. You can find details to our service times on our website. I also want to thank our faithful givers. By giving towards our podcast, you're able to help us reach people from all over the world for Christ and fulfill the mission of Oasis, which is to love God, love life, and love people. God bless.